is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, big thanks to the title sponsor of the big show. That's Big O. It's the final week of Big O's Buy 3, Get 1 Free Sale. Hurry in and don't forget to take advantage of their pay-nothing financing options. Big O Tires, the team you trust. We're going to talk to Ben Anderson in a minute. You got nothing over there? <laughs> I just uh, found a rather disturbing not sports report. And and it's it's kind of sad. I mean, it's very sad. It's not but, what Jake was just talking about, is it? No, no. Okay. No, but, he got bored of that conversation. Oh, I mean, bored. Bored is not the word. Disgusted and sickened. <laughs> no, please. You're just being real. I just don't know whether I can do this not sports report uh, because it's it's one of those things that makes you think, gosh darn it, but. You know what? If sad. you think it's too sad to do, then let's find a different. Yeah. I just don't know if yeah. I can do it without you know shedding a tear. <laughs> no, or... let's pick a different story. When in doubt, toss. I it actually out. have a really good story. I'll I'll forward to. <laughs> okay, I mean you know it, it's. No, it's, we're not going to do it. It's sad, but it it, it you know. <laughs> Is it as sad as that five year old birthday where they watched a tiger eat a donkey? Because that was the story. That's the that's the bar. Uh, let's listen. The tiger was an alligator. Let's tiger. change the subject. Man, did you see that? Did you see that uh, that crocodile that showed up on the front door of that family in Sri Lanka? You know Ben's time is really valuable. Oh, right? oh yeah, sorry. You know. Well, I mean, the the croc was just, those things are mean. Sri Lanka and, today is at five thirty, and they and they tried to, they tried to bundle it up and what? And you know what they did? They started rolling. That's what they do when they get you. They roll. Out to the Smart Rain special guest line. It's no mystery. Utah's in extreme drought. That is why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at smartrain.net. He makes the magic happen at KSL Sports. He's our good friend, Ben Anderson. Ben, change the subject, ben, please. Ben, ben, look, I'm telling you, if you heard what Jake and Austin were talking about during the break, and I know you're a radio veteran, it, it, I mean, you would have wanted to run out of the room. It was it was that bad. Well, you know, Jake turns 40, and his life, he realizes it's quickly coming to an end, and so he turns a little darker. It's true. But, but here's the thing. Here's the key component of this. Off the air, whereas on the air, Gordon's waxing on about alligators in Sri Lanka for crying out loud. Sorry. Sorry. Let's let's get to Ben's expertise. Uh, Ben, excited to have you on today. Certainly want to get your perspective about uh, the adjustments in the front office for the Jazz. What do you you think about what we've seen so far? I wasn't stunned by what happened with Dennis Lindsay yesterday. I, I, you know, like you guys have talked to some people and it just kind of felt like that was the direction this was trending. 
Dennis Lizzie was doing fewer and fewer media appearances. It felt like Justin Zanuck was starting to have a little bit, maybe not bigger impact, but was, you know, a, a face right alongside Dennis Lindsay. And when he left for Milwaukee, Zanuck, and then came back, it just felt like, hey, there has to be some true potential for growth upward in the organization for him in the reasonable future. And that was, what, 2019 when he came back was named an official general manager. It felt like at some point Dennis Lindsay was going to make this decision in my opinion, you know, assuming that, you know, everything's above ground or we've heard, it sounds like everyone was happy with this move. It's kind of feel good to step away. I mean, I can't imagine that that's an easy job or a particularly fun job, even if it's a hard job to get. So, Ben, what do you think of, of the overall effect, regardless of what the particulars were with Denny, Dennis Lindsay making this move? What do you make of the overall effect of Ryan Smith's ownership? Because it seems to me like this guy is really – uh, active, aggressive, uh, he probably trusts the right people as opposed to relying on his own expertise when it comes to basketball. But it seems like he wants to get stuff done. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think he's extremely proactive, and that wasn't something we always saw with the Millers. And look, you look at how these two families kind of built their fortunes and built their legacies, and they're totally different. You know, Larry Miller and Gail kind of slowly built this thing into this multi-billion-dollar franchise, but. You know, that started in the early 80s for them, and they kind of got to this valuation over the last decade. And Ryan Smith, as we know, has what they call a unicorn. You know, he had one of these tech companies, even though it certainly wasn't overnight. But in, you know, a decade and a half, he went from working in a garage in Provo or, you know, out south and now has an $8 billion company. So I'm sure some of the way it has been built and their lives have been built has shifted just kind of their idea on how to have a business. And the Utah Jazz ultimately are a business. And they both wanted to see it succeed. And the Millers had kind of slow played things historically. And I just don't think that's ever felt like Ryan Smith's game plan in any business that he's ever been a part of. He seems to like to get things moving. He seems to like action and progress. And he seems to like progress in the right direction because it's been successful for him. So I think if you're a jazz fan, that's encouraging. It's certainly a shakeup of the status quo that you were probably used to over the last 30 years. So what do you think's next? Uh, Gordon and I both agree that probably there's another couple of moves coming in the near future. Are we going to see more faces in that front office? Yeah, probably a couple of names. I don't know if there's a major, major shakeup. I could be totally wrong on that. But, you know, Justin Zanuck, like I said, has been doing this, preparing for this. They brought him in because they liked the connections he had around the NBA. He's been in successful front offices with the Jazz and with Milwaukee and was part of the team that kind of built this into a, a contender on both sides of the conferences. Milwaukee's obviously probably the favorite now to get to the finals and maybe win it all. The Jazz were maybe a couple of injuries away from being in the finals potentially. So he's been in successful front offices. He knows what, you know, good good operations look like. He knows what good coaching staffs look like. So I think you probably need to trust a guy, some, who's been running the day-to-day operations and has been successful, even if you do go out and bring in some other names to step in and fill in just for experience, even additional networking, even though I think that's one of Justin Zanuck's really biggest advantages is because he was an agent. He knows so many people. I know what heard people in the jazz front office say that was one of the great things he really brought. But yeah, maybe you just bring a couple of extra pairs of eyes in just to make sure you have the best input you can. And if you were going to describe uh, the perfect executive for an NBA team, what, what qualities do you think are most important? I think one thing that they always have to be willing to do, and this is probably any line of work, is you just have to be willing to play the hand you're dealt, and you can't fall in love with your game plan because game plans change. You get injured. You have younger players who are better than your veteran players who cough less, and you have to make those adjustments. 
And to Dennis Lindsay and Quinn Snyder's credit and the Millers at the time, they saw that, okay, you lost Gordon Hayward. Donovan Mitchell came in and was instantly a better option than Rodney Hood or whatever else you had on the roster. And they said, we're going to shift everything. We're going to build around Donovan Mitchell. We've got to figure out what we have. But once we do, we're going to be aggressive, and you're going to get Jay Crowder, and you're going to get Mike Conley, and you're going to get Boyan Bogdanovich, and you're going to build around that. So I think a willingness to embrace change and still understand how change can win is really valuable and is really important. And, and I think it's hard because it constantly changes. And look, some of the GMs who think, hey, the more moves I make, the better it's going to be, obviously that comes back to bite you, and, and you end up making bad trades. And you know, even if you're getting 90 cents on the dollar for every trade, eventually that really starts to hurt you and you fall back and you just overall lessen the value of your talent. The ability to see things through and be patient at the right time also has huge value. So I think you're constantly as a front office member, specifically a general manager, talking out of both sides of your mouth, which is you've got this vision for the team, you know what your core pieces are, and you want to stick with that. But at the same time, you have to be willing to make occasionally major tweaks, usually minor tweaks, to kind of get that game plan to or past the finish line, even if that's not how you envision getting there. So I, I think you're kind of steadying with one hand and juggling with the other. And that's, that's a hard job. That's why that's a very hard job to get. It's a hard job to be successful at. So, Ben, uh, Justin Zanuck has one major decision to make, <clears throat> certainly on Mike Conley, and then they have the, the draft where they have the 30th pick, and we'll see what else happens this offseason. But let's talk about Conley here for a second. If uh, Ryan Smith is willing to pay the bill, is it a no-brainer to re-up Mike if he wants to stay? It, it is. It, you have to get him at least for an asset. I mean, really the worst thing you can do is lose Mike Conley and get absolutely nothing in return. I mean, if you want to sign him and trade him, that's fine. If you want to sign him and keep him, that's probably the best option. But if you want to sign him and say, hey, we're going to bite the bullet for six months and then we'll explore what happens in February at the trade deadline again, that's fine too. And there's a lot of successful examples of that. That's what the Golden State Warriors did. Remember, they traded Kevin Durant and got D'Angelo Russell back in return. And they didn't want D'Angelo Russell... But they recognize, hey, that's an asset that if you let Kevin Durant move, because they were over the luxury tax, the same way the Jazz are going to be, if you let Kevin Durant move for nothing in return, you never get that back. There's no asset in return. So by taking on D'Angelo Russell, even though they probably didn't want him, they ended up being able to flip that for Andrew Wiggins and an unprotected first-round pick that's like the seventh pick in this year's draft, which is really valuable. It might turn into Ben Simmons. So, yes, it's expensive. Yes, it's hard to do. It's not my money. It's easy to spend somebody else's money. But if you can get an asset back, it's better than losing somebody for nothing. And I think the Jazz probably learned that the hard way with Gordon Hayward. So if we're living in a fantasy land with the Jazz, uh, Ben, what do they need to add? And I know it's tough with their financial situation the way it is and whatnot. They re-sign Mike Conley if they can because I agree with you. I think they have to do that if it's at all possible. What, what, what else do they need? They need versatility, and versatility is a vague word on purpose because you can plug it in anywhere. You know, you can use a versatile guard in the backcourt that can defend better, that doesn't put so much pressure on Rudy Gobert to have to guard Terrence Mann at the three-point line, and also stop Reggie Jackson from getting layups. Too much Rudy Gobert. It was just no human is is able to do what the Jazz were asking him to do in Game Six of that series or Game Five of that series, and it's why they got eliminated. It wasn't on Rudy's fault. It was what he can and can't do. And the Jazz were asking to do things he simply can't do. Now, they were also asking their perimeter players, apparently, to do things they can't do, which is stay in front of their man. Now, <laughs> Donovan Mitchell was hurt. Mike Conley was hurt. Joe Ingles and Boyan Bogdanovich and Jordan Clarkson never, haven't ever been 
super spry defenders on the perimeter. Joe certainly feels like he's taken a little bit of a step backwards recently in that regard, but Boyan's never been great and Clarkson's never been great. So the Jazz lack some of that ability to defend quicker guys, quick uh, defend on the perimeter, versatility defending. Everything's just kind of about funneling players to Rudy Gobert. And if you push Rudy Gobert out of the paint, that system breaks down pretty quickly, and that's what we saw. So you need versatility, whether that's a power forward who can help as a complementary shot blocker or a rim protector for Rudy Gobert who can rotate so you're not always giving up the paint when you have a guy like Terrence Mann in the corner. You can do that. If you need an elite perimeter defender, then you feel like you can get one like a Ben Simmons, and I don't know how you get there, but you know a player like that, you can do that. That's versatility. You need, though, more options defensively. It's really just like the offensive side of the ball that the Jazz were on what, three years ago when they kept facing the Houston Rockets and getting eliminated, the Jazz had one good offensive player. It was Donovan Mitchell, so they focused everything on taking Donovan Mitchell out of the offensive game plan, and they easily won those playoff series. Now you have one good defensive player in Rudy Gobert, and every team says, well, we're going to focus everything we can to take Rudy Gobert out of the defensive game plan, and it works. You just can't be singularly minded. You can't only have one identity on the defensive end or the offensive end. And the Jazz solved it on offense, and they never have figured it out on defense yet. So I want to run a hot take by you, Ben, and, and please feel free to tell me I'm wrong. But the one thing I'm I'm taking from this Jazz Clippers series, and and maybe we should have been taking this, you know, from those Rocket series or whatever. But how can how can teams get away with guarding a seven three guy with somebody who's six seven, or even worse, when Reggie Jackson got switched on to Rudy, they never took advantage of it. Is is can Rudy get his skill set to the point where he can throw a drop step on somebody and make teams adjust because you shouldn't be able to get away with that? I don't think so. I, I just, you know, he's been in the league for, what, seven or eight years now. He's drafted in 2013, so eight seasons now. If he doesn't have it now, I'm not waiting for it. But mm. you can also find guys for cheap that can probably abuse somebody in that situation. I mean, Robin Lopez, I, I've never seen him miss a hook shot in his life. I mean, every time he touches the ball down low, I know he's not kind of your traditional pick-and-roll big like the Jazz have relied on and have liked to have even in their second unit. But that's the type of guy who if they say, hey, we're going to go small, you say, okay, we'll pull Rudy Gobert out of the game for three or four possessions. And if you want to put Terrence Mann or Reggie Jackson on him or whoever small, we're just going to let Brooke Lopez hit, you know, turn around little hook shots over you on four straight possessions. And what happens, they can, can't play small anymore. And it's obviously not perfect and they can game plan and adjust. But the Jazz just didn't have – Anybody who could do it. It wasn't just Rudy. I mean, Derek Favors wasn't an option for that later uh, in, in the season, the way it felt like he used to be when he was younger. So I, I don't think Rudy's going to add that to his game. He's gotten a little bit better. His footwork's gotten better. He kind of has a little spin move. But the Jazz weren't even trying to get him the ball because his isolation numbers were just so bad throughout most of the season that it didn't feel like a realistic option late. And, and maybe you just have to force it and you have to make him put him at the free throw line if he's going to get dunks over those guys. But it doesn't even feel like the Jazz are confident that they can get to that point to force another team to have to foul him to prevent him from getting dunks. They just feel like he'll turn the ball over, throw the ball out of bounds, or not get a good look. Ben, you mentioned Derek Favors. Uh, what are we looking at there now with him? I, I think it's a little hard to tell because it seemed like he struggled when there were a lot of games pushed together closely, and that was the case basically throughout the entire season. And when he had a little bit of rest or wasn't playing as much like we saw in the first round, I thought he was really good against the Memphis Grizzlies. So he can clearly still be effective, and he seemed to have another gear that he was able to flip in the playoffs. He kind of admitted as much that, hey, this is the playoffs. I've got to play harder and play better. But I just, you know, he, he, it's going to be hard to swallow two years and $20 million that are left on his contract. That's 
that's a lot of money for a guy in a backup center who's not giving you a ton the way you could use, you know, a seventh guy or an eighth guy making $10 million off your bench. You could get more out of that position. And that was the gamble of the Jets, giving him the full mid-level exception in the offseason. He's proven. He knows the system. He likes Quinn Snyder. He fits with what the Jazz want to do. He's also regressing to the point where, you know, he's been in the league for a decade now at least and, and just isn't the player he used to be. Ben, taking a break from the Jazz for a second here. Uh, Damian Lillard uh, likes Chauncey Billups, then doesn't like Chauncey Billups. Now people are saying he's on their way. Catch me up. I was I was celebrating my 40th over the weekend. What's going on with Damian Lillard? Is he moving or what? Yeah, I think it's kind of hard to tell exactly what he's going to be doing and, and exactly what the plan is. Clearly, he's not thrilled with what's going on in Portland, nor should he be. And it's kind of felt like this was going to be the case all along that he keeps having to carry this team. And it's hard when you get to the Western Conference Finals like they did, what was that, 2019, and then take this step back like they have in recent years. That's, that gets hard. I think that weighs on players, especially if they feel like, hey, we're headed in the wrong direction, even if it's just you know a temporary step back. But I, I don't know how Portland gets significantly better with their roster currently. They went out and traded for Norman Powell, but Norman Powell and Dame and C.J. McCollum are all very similar players. So it's really tough. So I understand why he'd be frustrated and want out and not feel like there's potential to go. At the same time, he seems to always want to be loyal to Portland, and he's probably at that point maybe not as heavily as where we all remember Kevin Garnett was. He was talking to, who was it, John Thompson from Georgetown after he retired. And he you know, he cried on camera because he was tired of losing. And, and Damian Lillard's not, certainly not losing at the same rate that Kevin Garnett was when he was in Minnesota. But, I mean, he's 30. You know, he played four years at, at Weber State before he got into the NBA. He was 22 and 23 as a rookie. This is not a guy who has four or five years left on a team that's trying to figure it out. He, he's getting to that point where he's going to have to start getting on a team that's truly contending, and Portland's not there. So it's going to take, it's gonna take I think, a major shakeup for him to find what he's looking for, and I think he probably recognizes that as well. And Terrence Mann was the 48th pick in the draft a couple of years ago. And I, so I'm, I guess that's the lead up to my question, the Jazz with a 30th pick in the draft. What's your excitement level for uh, that exercise this time around? It's weird. The 30th pick is weird. It has good value. You know, it's the last guaranteed contract. But the Jazz are also in a spot where, you know, is a young guy going to be able to crack the rotation? I have my doubts. I, I have a doubt that they want to play young guys at this point in their career, even if they could. So I think there's kind of mixed value on what they could look for, you know. But but you look at what happened last year in the draft, where guys like Desmond Bain or Jaden McDaniels came in and were successful and helpful and and made their teams better. Granted, those teams weren't considered to be contenders the way I think the Jazz probably view themselves as contenders if they can bring Mike Conley back. So it's tepid, you know. It's it's not super exciting, and it's not like a 14th pick or a seventh pick where you're a team like Golden State who's going to be good next year and then also gets to bring in a, a top player. It's nothing exciting like that, but you're always looking for that late-round steal. You're always looking for a guy who can come in and help. It's also worth noting that Rudy Gobert is one of the best late-round steals of all time, late first-round picks, and it took him four years before he was really on the floor and helping. So even if you get a good player, you might not know it. I wouldn't expect the Jazz to get somebody who's going to come in and change the culture right away. Okay, Ben, this is a really stupid off-topic question, but of course I have your Twitter account up because I, I follow Ben, Ben at Ben's Hoops, all the latest news, great work on the Jazz, of course, KSL Sports. i got to ask you, though, what's up with Nighthawks as your uh, your profile picture there? Because, first of all, I love that work of art, seen it in person, but I've wanted to ask you for a while now, what's the story with that? So, first of all, I had it over my kitchen table growing up. 
the uh, Hopper painting that you're talking about. Uh, and, and then, Jake, when you and I were doing pre- and post-game shows, and I told you I was going to the All-Star game, you said you have to go. This comes back to you. You said you have to go to the Chicago Art Institute yeah, because that's where it's hanging. And so that picture is actually a real photo I took of it at the Chicago Art Institute. And I just, you know, I'd love the ambiance of that photo. I love the feeling of, or the, of the painting, I should say. I love, you know, the late night diner and people just kind of hanging out. And it's not really about anything. It's a little lonely, but there's also company there. So I don't know. I just always kind of liked that painting. It was there when I was a child. You recommended me to go see it in person. I did. So I kind of like that aspect of it. It kind yeah. of tied into what I was doing for a career. You know what? I actually did an interview with Gordon inside the Chicago Art Institute last year. Jake, I think you had taken the week off. Hey, how about I that? I was inside hiding in a hallway. Uh, I'm sure they didn't <laughs> love me talking as loudly as I was, but I was talking to you guys literally minutes after I had just seen it. All see, right. Yeah, I see, have a small connection to that. Yeah, I like that. I, I love that painting, too. And that's probably, you know, we, we talked about it, I'm sure, Ben. And that's that's part of my recommendation. But. Ben, what other expressions of your Renaissance uh, man uh, kind of uh, kind of uh, penchant uh, are there? I mean, are you into poetry? Are you into what else do you like? That's I am. I'm an English major. Uh, so I, I certainly have a little bit of that. And I've been trying to I try and read. I certainly don't read like I did as a. Uh, as I did in college, nor does anybody, but I try and keep up on that. I try to stay, you know, up on whatever culture I can. And I've come from a family of artists, so it's kind of naturally in my blood. I do the most, I do the least artistic thing of anyone in my family right now at this point in our lives. And I also just get to write for a living. So it's certainly part of my culture, I guess, growing up and in me. But no, I love painting. I love going to museums. It's what I try and do when I'm on trips. And not to sound phony, but I just kind of easy to walk around and you get a little exercise and it's something fun to look at. That's really cool. I like that, man. That's really, could you paint, you said you were not necessarily really gifted in that regard, but could you paint a portrait of Jake if we wanted and we could hang it in the studio here? I'll sketch something of Jake this off season. I'll do that. I promise you yeah, I'll do that. Look at I did that. a sketch for a friend for Christmas. I'll do one for Jake too. For his birthday, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, we'll put it up. We'll put it up. You're, uh, you do have a talented family though. You talk about that. There's a lot of talent in that uh, Anderson family. Mm-hmm. Very lucky. Yeah, well, that's, that's good. Uh, ben, we love it when you can come on the show, uh, truly. And you, you do great work covering the jazz. And uh, we appreciate you jumping on and sharing a little wisdom with us. Thanks, guys. Thanks, buddy. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. I remember now, now that he mentions it because when he was going to cover the game, I was like, you got to go by the Art Institute. Because hmm. it's, it's my favorite museum. It's something... Uh, Kind of, I do too. I guess go to different museums wherever we go. When and were that you one's at my the Art Institute in Chicago. I've been to that particular museum three times now. What were you? I mean, what took you there? Uh, I have friends in that part of the country oh. that I've gone to visit multiple times. And that and that's your favorite art museum? Yeah, I've been to the Met, and the Met was amazing. But I liked uh, the Chicago Art, art Institute a little bit better. The the LACMA in L.A. is pretty good. Um, Look at you, Jake. I mean, did you? Is this did this spark this sparked interest in art happen when you were like in high school? What? Yeah, I've always I've always liked art. Did you and take that art history? I did take art uh, history in high now, school. What's that? Is that's a what do they call that? AP. Uh huh. Which, by the way, my daughter took hated that, class. that class. You did? Oh, hated it. But you love art. I do. And that's a terrible way to learn about it. How do you hate art history if you love art? Listen, you take art, which is supposed to be about experience and feel and that sort of thing, uh-huh. and you just put up a bunch of slides that encourage people to go to sleep where you get zero feel about the intent of the artist or whatever. It just seemed like a really terrible way to teach that subject. Now, I'm, I'm, I don't know of a better way. Like, I get why they do it, but I didn't think it was a particularly 
great class. I felt like it, it took the fun out of art. If memory serves, I think when my daughter took that class, there was a big old textbook that came with it. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it's still there. Yeah. All right. Well, good for you. See, I got to find, find uh, ways uh, you can go. You can go to the United Center and enjoy that. You can go over to Wrigley. You can go over to Soldier Field. You can go to the Chicago Art uh, Museum and have a great time. Is it different than the Bean Museum? It is. Okay. You uh, mean the, the museum with the big bean in front of it? That's the one. But uh, the Chicago Art Institute, kind of an older style building. It, it was featured in Ghostbusters. Oh, probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the actual one? Yeah. Hmm. All right. And Nighthawks, that's a particularly... Awesome. Explain, I didn't know the name of that. Nighthawks. What, what's that all about? Uh, I'm sure you've seen the. the yeah. You've the seen it. You can go to Ben's Twitter account, but it's basically people up at night in a cafe. It's very Sinatra looking. Ah. Yeah. All right. Anywho, uh, thanks to Ben for jumping on with us. Ben's great. KSLSports.com at Ben's Hoops on uh, on Twitter. Let's uh, jump out to the Zone phone though. Joining us now from Premier Wave Therapy is our friend Dr. Johnson. What's going on, Doctor? Hey, how you guys doing? We're doing great. Let's help our listeners with something important. Of course, that's uh, their love lives and being able to, uh, you know, uh, maybe function how they used to. Yes, yes, that's important to consummate a marriage. You know, you have to be able to function. So it's important that you get that fixed if you're having problems. And we actually have treatment for both men and women, interestingly enough. Well, let's, uh, we've talked about the men a lot. Uh, let's talk about the ladies. Maybe there's uh, uh, some guys or gals out there listening who this could help them too. Yeah, so, you know, what happens is as you get older, you start to lose a lot of the substance of the vaginal canal. And so it gets kind of atrophic and you have all sorts of problems. One of the main problems is stress incontinence, which is you pee a little bit when you laugh or you run or sneeze or anything. So we have the treatment that I, with a laser that I developed that restores the normal function and is very, very effective in women. It only takes three treatments, it's painless, and you get great results and it restores a lot of normal function women love it and guys out or gals there's a lot of uh, folks out there dealing with this sort of thing should be embarrassed about it right nope in fact the studies show that men 50 or older 50 percent of men have erectile dysfunction and 60 and older 60 percent 70 and older 70 percent so it's very prevalent but there's no need to deal with it if you if there's a cure which we have we have a treatment that fixes all those problems. All right. Here's the number to call, 385-360-WAVE. That's 385-360-WAVE. Or go online, premierwave.com. Take advantage of it and do something about it today. Thanks, doctor. Yeah, thanks. Good talking to you. Take care. 385-360-WAVE. That's 385-360-WAVE. Or go to premierwave.com. Jake, I just checked out the Nighthawks painting. I like it. I like that a lot. Oh, it's great. You should see it in person. Oh, like, but, pictures but, don't do it justice. That's, that's what just, I was saying. But but that just, uh, it, uh, what, what's the word? It uh, emotes something. I bought a print of it when uh, one of the times I've been there. What does it say to you? Uh, I kind of like what Ben was saying. It's really kind of about nothing. It's that, you know, guys late at night, you, you wonder what they're talking about, right? There's a couple there, and on the other side, there's a there's a guy at the bar and, and a man behind. Uh, and you wonder what time it is. And yeah. also you're on the outside looking in. Like there's all sorts of and, questions. And the, the street is empty. Right. So you wonder what's going on to cause that. I mean, I've always felt for uh, the, the waiter, the guy behind the bar. He yeah. doesn't want to be there. No. 
It's like late, and these he's these working, and these folks are they should be home. These derelicts. No, wait a minute. They, they they might be going through something too. It's it, go it, through it on your no, own time. No, I, I got a family. I love Austin's take here because you know that guy's like these bozos are on their sixteenth cup of five cent coffee, and I'm standing around here listening to them talk about and they politics. They don't look like big tippers either. No, they're 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 they're, 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 they're what's a, they're, they are fighting their way through life. I'm the smartest one in here, and yet I'm behind the bar. <laughs> they, are, they are looking for a little light in their life. More next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You can't stop me now. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Big O' Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O' Tires. The team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Network. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Our boy PK, Patrick Kinahan, is going to jump on with us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Big thanks to our good friend Ben Anderson, who jumped on the show with us in the last segment, kslsports.com. Also, Ben's Hoops. And uh, actually, Gordon sent a tweet to me with a few of the pictures or paintings that he took a picture of at the Chicago Art Institute. Do you know there's a certain name atop that uh, diner where that painting, what that painting is made of? Uh-huh. Um, you know what Phillies? name is? Yeah. And? That's my baseball team. Well, I think it's the name of the diner in this I case. I know, I know. So it's a very overrated diner. Actually, it's supposed to be a diner in New York. Um, That's where the Phillies are originally from, is it not? No. No, thought I had them. Well, the New York Phillies wouldn't make so much sense. <laughs> no, but they could have had a different name. I suppose. All right, let's uh, let's move on uh, to uh, the second part of what's going on here. We want to check in with Hanson Scotty and get their thoughts on uh, de- uh, how far the Jazz have come with Dennis Lindsay at the helm. Some of the personnel decisions and some of the things that the moves that have been made as of late, there's a heavy, heavy Justin Zanuck influence yes. on those things. Yep, and and. I also want people to understand, I, I truly believe you're a Mike Conley injury away from being in the Western Conference Finals right now against the Phoenix Suns. That, that isn't on Dennis Lindsay. That's not on Justin Zanuck. That's on fate. That's on Mike Conley's hamstring. hamstring. That's what that's on. But these men, I believe, put together a roster that should have been competing in the Western Conference Finals with a chance to go to the Finals, to potentially meet up with the Milwaukee Bucks, yep. who you're not out of the game with in, in that scenario. Yep. So... Some really good men that are are working behind the scenes to make this happen. But I certainly want this to be a day of recognition for Dennis Lindsay. I had an opportunity to bump into Dennis and Becky at the airport maybe a year ago or or two years ago. And I think it's like second or third time that I bumped into them and and just had an opportunity to chat with them for 15, 20 minutes. And I I hope everybody understands that Dennis Lindsay is about family. Like, this is a family man, family-oriented, proud of his kids, raised great family, has a great wife, great relationship. It's everything this community needs. 
And I'm glad that he's going to continue to be around in a consultant, uh, as a consultant or an advisory role, because he brings so much depth. He's, yeah. he's a he's a he's a realistic person. Yeah. You know, sometimes and I and believe me, I've, I've talked to plenty of coaches like you know, I, I won't bring up specifics, but I've talked to plenty of NBA coaches, you know, where you, you go to those shoot arounds and put a mic in their face and how cold and calculated. And I've, I've had plenty of NFL GMs and NFL NFL coaches that are not relatable. They're not real people. They're robots. Yeah. And, they, and they're kind of burnt up inside. I, I know that these, true. these executives are typically they're burnt up inside. They're shells of a human because of some of the, the, the tough decisions that they've got to make. Dennis is not that. He's a very warm, relatable person. And I've really appreciated every opportunity I've had to, to just sit and talk to him. Yeah, he's uh, look, he's uh, he's made an impact on this community, on this team. And uh, you certainly wish him well going forward. And uh and whatever that future may look like, I think that advisory role will be uh, a great opportunity uh, for him and the Jazz. And and look, you know, let's just be honest. There's another opportunity out there that, uh, you know, you can only sit as an advisor for so long. And maybe he gets the itch to run a team again. That that certainly will, is well within the realm of possibility as well. All right. So, Scotty, let me ask you this. Uh, I know that you deal kind of on a a deeper level with the, the Utah Jazz, and I, I know that you deal with these executives. And uh, In your opinion, for Jazz fans out there that are trying to make sense of all of this, how much does this shift the identity of the Utah Jazz? Uh, considerably, honestly. Like, okay, well, I guess, what do you what do you mean by that? Uh, okay, so Dennis Lindsay had an identity. He yes. brought it from San Antonio. Correct. We knew what that identity was. He left a major imprint on what Dennis Lindsay was all about. Yeah. The system, I mean, how much time and attention he puts into free agency, how much time and attention he puts into draft, what type of individuals and athletes. And, and we've seen different, you know, formulas of, of offense form as we've seen players show different roles. But Dennis Lindsay had an imprint. Are we going to see a... Is this going to be a shift in impact? I think it. I think there will be a new feel to the team. I don't. I think that your, your, you know, D, jazz DNA stuff that we always talk about uh, and have some fun with. I think that certainly is still in play. Like you know, the Jazz have an mo of who they are and and all of that. So I think that certainly is still in play. But I think you can add to that with. A new set of eyes, a new perspective, uh, maybe more aggressive than what we've seen in the past with uh, free agency and trades and and things along those lines. So uh, I think there's uh, I think it's just you take the base of what you've had and you continue to add to it. And I think that's what's going to happen here. It's a new I don't want to say a new era, because I think a lot of the same principles of what the Jazz are and what they look for and and how they want to do business is still in play. But I think you add another level to that as well. But and and Scotty, you know what I mean? I mean, obviously, you know what I mean? Because you you had to kind of fill that role when you took over a, a management role or a PD role with the station, you had to build the station you, the way you wanted it. You know, you had, you had to bring the personalities and build it the way you wanted it. If somebody else came in and took over the station, it'd be a complete remodel and, and a completely different identity. And, and But if you stayed as a consultant, I just am wondering how much it would yeah. change. If you're the consultant, there's somebody else in as a PD, you know, do they, is it a wholesale change? And, and it's like, nope, this is mine and I'm going to, or is it, well, I'm going to stay consistent with my consultant. I think it's in between, somewhere in between. 
like uh, you know, let's just okay. Let's 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 go back to the last time we've seen kind of a, a shift uh, when Kevin O'Connor left. Um, the Jazz ran things really lean and mean. You know, the coaching staff was always really small. The support staff was relatively small. Uh, there was just a few things there that you look at and you say, okay, that's who the Jazz are. Dennis Lindsay comes in and you see a lot of growth in the support staff, uh, 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 more of a dedication to analytics. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, you see much more. much more in the health and wellness and a lot of those other things of the individual players. All of that really expanded under his watch. And so it was still kind of the same M.O. of what Kevin had. But then you add it, add to it with other perspectives and other thoughts and kind of bring a newer perspective. And I think the same thing's going to apply here. OK, well, I think that that should help jazz fans kind of make sense of what's going on and. What a big move. Huge news yesterday evening. You and I were going back and forth throughout yeah. the evening. It was like, all right, let's see how this plays out. I'm excited to see it play yep. out. Gordon? I, 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 don't know, I don't know how to react to what they were saying. I mean, I don't know whether player personnel people are burned out shells of themselves. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I just think everybody looked at this situation for what it was and tried to make a good decision moving forward for the welfare of the club. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know about everyone, but yeah, I hear you. I, I mean, the, the decision makers have decided to shake things up a little bit. And, uh, you know, Justin Zanuck is going to take over the day today and we'll see where it goes from here. Um, I don't know if they'd look for another senior VP of basketball ops or call it the president of basketball ops or whatever the title may be. Um, but I, well, I, something's I, afoot here. Well, I mean, Dennis Lindsay has done this for a long time and I don't think many people will argue that he's done a good job. He has been perfect. I mean, there are moves that, that you and I could both point to that, uh, that we disagreed with at the time. And, and we with, have with the benefit of hindsight, you know, some people are right. Some people are wrong, but uh, you know, the, to think about the rebuild that the franchise has gone under uh, or gone through with his leadership and the success that they've had over the last several years after that rebuild, I think he deserves a lot of credit for it. And we'll see now where the new, you know, front office, whatever it may look like, you know, with Justin Zanuck uh, at the helm, we'll see how they can take and try and take the next step, which I don't think is going to be easy, by the way, from a roster forming standpoint, because yes. there's just not Good a ton point. that they can do in the short yeah. term. So, you know, it's a, it's a pretty difficult job and uh, you know, they're going to try and put the best people in the right position to make the decisions to help this franchise take the next step. Cause that's of course, everybody's goal. Well, we've talked a lot about it in the past that it's harder to go from really good to great than it is from mediocre to good. And that's where the Jazz find themselves now. I think they have to re-sign Mike Conley. I don't know if they'll be able to, but uh, I think that would give them an opportunity for another run at it. And I know, like, that's one thing that Hans and Scotty were talking about there that I agree with. I think that had they been healthy at the right time, they would have had a real opportunity to do something that would have left the Jazz fan base very happy. Um, I, I don't know if they would have won at all, but I think they certainly, like Hans was talking about there, could have gotten to the uh, to the finals. Um, takes some luck. It takes some luck. And I, I know they ran into the, the Clippers, 
But I, based on what I've seen out of Mike Conley against the Clippers in the past, he's had a lot of success against that team, and I think that would have made some, somewhat of a difference. Whether they would have been able to conquer the Clippers, I'm not 100 percent sure. But yeah, I think they they could have. Uh, just my opinion. So what? Where do the Jazz go from here, Jake? Um, uh, okay, let me back up. How are the Jazz better? with Dennis Lindsay as an advisor instead of a VP of uh, senior VP of basketball operations. Because uh, Justin Zanuck was already in on the, the process. He was the general manager, right? So how are they better now than they were before Dennis took the advisory role? Oh, I don't think you can know that. I think that's an impossible question to answer. I know. That's why I asked it. I don't want to ask a question that's easy want, to answer. You want to ask me a question that it can't be answered in the <laughs> current time frame because we haven't seen it in action? Well, the, and, and we haven't seen what's coming next because yeah. I do think stuff, and so do you, stuff is, is happening here. Nor, nor do I think forward. Dennis was uh, like, he did a good job, meaning if you move on to somebody else, there's risk there. Yeah. That the next person, I'm not saying this is happening, but I'm just saying that there's risk there that the next person doesn't do the job as well. So you can't say, well, well how are they better today? I don't know, because there's a risk they're not, because right. Dennis was good at what he did. Now, they must be fairly confident in the direction they're going, and hey, we'll see how it goes. But there's certainly risk in, in not having him run in the show. One thing about Dennis, when he came in here, he was very, uh, he he knew what he wanted to accomplish, and he was... This whole idea of a winning culture, it sounds so cliche now, but he wanted to put that in place, and he was very methodical in his process. He, first of all, he hired a great coach and made the right move there. And then on the whole, I mean, they, you know, from Rudy Gobert to Donovan Mitchell, they, they made those moves. They eventually got around to getting Mike Conley. And when you make good decisions, how are you supposed to know that Mike Conley is going to have a hamstring problem in the playoffs? You just don't know that. That's something that just happens. And I think Hans was mentioning that. But, you know, Dennis Lindsay made good decisions. Now, I've pointed out in the past that maybe some of those decisions I wasn't so sure about. The Trey Burke thing. And you can pick these things out. I just pointed out, obviously, the huge victories. But, uh, you know, I, I, I uh, you know, I, I've talked about Booker in the past and how that was a missed opportunity. But you have come back with what you always come back with, Jake, mm -hmm. which is. Then they wouldn't have Donovan. <laughs> uh, wanted, I, but, but, but the other one, uh, it was the, the uh, I'm not sure what the Jazz were accomplishing by drafting a big this last year. Uh, you know, I mean, it, when they had needs on the perimeter as far as defense goes, and I'm not sure they could draft anyone that was really going to make a big difference this year. The biggest difference maker this year was the lack of good health when they had to have it. I, I guess what I'm saying here, and I'm talking in circles, but what I'm saying really is that Dennis Lindsay did a hell of a job and that uh, they, they darn near accomplished – what he had always set out as his goal this year, and they might have had fates looked at him a little differently. Not I, Sports Port. Sorry. Go ahead. That's it. Not Sports Port is next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
Sports Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280, uh, 1280 The Zone. It's time to get a winner for the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Be caller at 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE and correctly identify the Chevy Strong Play of the Game announced by DJ and PK this morning at 8.50 and you'll win a Zone prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong Play of the Game brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. PK himself will join us uh, coming up next at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, Gordon, it's time for the Not Sports Port, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Where are we going today? We're going right here to Utah, Jake. Okay. Because I decided not to do the sad story. Oh, I'm so glad. And I told you guys what the sad story was during it, the break. It would have been, what was your reaction? It, don't do it. We need a lawyer. Yeah, it would have been inappropriate. It was sad. It was sad. Was it not sad? Yeah. This is not sad, okay. so that's good. This is not sad. Jake, there is a treasure hunt that's happening right here in Utah. Two Utah friends have buried $10,000 in cash and silver and posted clues online as to how to find it. All right? So these is, is it John, it's John Maxim and David Klein, I guess. They've did, they did this once before, uh, burying $5,000 in the mountains somewhere. <laughs> and this time it's ten grand. These are the rules, okay? Be safe and have fun. But before that, uh, the first person to solve a poem and find the chest keeps the spoils, okay? So I'll, I'll read the poem in just a second. But these are the rules. Be safe and have fun. You got to follow the, the p- people involved, the two guys. Uh, weekly clues every Friday on their websites or uh, whatever. Uh, the chest is not on private property, so there's no trespassing anywhere. Everyone who shares the post will be entered to win the cash giveaway. It's open to everyone of all ages, everyone who tags the, the two individuals while searching will receive the weekly clue one day early via email uh, and let me read the poem, all right? Okay. Let's see if you can quack, figure, quack, let, quack. Let's see if you can figure this out right now. Okay, and everybody listening, wherever you are, let's see if we can figure this out. This is the hint to where the ten thousand dollars is in a chest somewhere in cash and silver. Begin your search where hikers rest. Majestic slopes all facing west. Through the tunnel of emerald green, follow the river, creek, or spring. When the blackbird clicks, turn to port. If you reach the end, you've come up short. Begin to climb when your path swings north, picking your way back and forth. Soon you'll find you're not alone. Greet the bear made out of stone. Let's see. Along the bottom of the cliffs is key. The chest awaits beneath the tree. With treasure in hand, enjoy the views, the sun-kissed reds and salty blues. Where is it, Austin? Uh, well... There's a, I believe it's somewhere in the Draper area, up in the up in the mountain hills there, based on the uh, Bear of Stone reference. What's the Bear of Stone? 
Uh, there's a, a bridge in an area up there, I think, called uh, the Stone Bear Bridge and things like that. And yeah. Well, I, I kind of. What about the Salty Blues? That'd mean you'd have to have a view of the Great Salt Lake, right? Which you could get up there yeah, above yeah. the. Uh, On the western facing slopes? Yeah. Along the bottom of the cliffs is key. The chest awaits beneath the tree with treasure in hand. Enjoy the views, the sun-kissed reds, and the salty blues. Sun-kissed reds being the sunset. Yeah. Salty blues being the gray salt lake. Yeah. The, in fact, you could even go, is key along the, what does it say about key? The bottom of the cliffs. Yeah, is there's key. a key bank right down there. Can you really see the great salt lake from Draper? Anywhere on the, any of these mountains. Yes. Oh, Okay. You not been maybe not as well these days because there is no. It's been, lake, it's been a long time since I've been up on the hills and shit. Right, well, man, ten thousand dollars, folks. I think Austin's onto something, and everybody listening is now scrambling to the key bank and Draper. Really, it's up in Morgan. <laughs> Somewhere <laughs> I've, I've fleeced y'all. That's in Austin. Grand County. Send them all <laughs> up. <laughs> the trail. It's up He's, in Bear Lake. Yeah. All right, let's get out of the zone phone. Uh, our very own Patrick Canahan is going to join us coming up next, so stay tuned for that. But let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, our friend Dr. Johnson from Premier Wave Therapy. Doctor, you into uh, treasure hunting? Yes, I'm, I'm on my way to Draper as we speak. Where's the key bank? <laughs> There's got to be a tree there somewhere. So <laughs> lots of trees. Uh, well, hey, let's talk about finding some. Let's talk about finding a little happiness, turning back the clock, getting a little uh, spark to your love life. Yes, yes, and this costs a lot less than the ten thousand dollars. So that's the good thing. Is you can <laughs> nice. Find treasure right at home if you come see us. <laughs> so I got a question for you, Doc. What what is it? What is it that you try to accomplish with your with your clients, and how do they react once it's accomplished? Well, what we're trying to do is restore the normal blood flow to the male organ and also restore, you know, normal ability to have intimate relations. So once they're done with all the treatments, they're ecstatic because a lot of time, you know, they haven't been able to have intimate relations or, or have All right, I think we lost the good doctor. Uh, but uh, Premier Wave Therapy, listen, they can help you. Uh, they do a number of different things. Uh, they're the first physician-owned and operated uh, clinic by our friend Dr. Johnson there, which uh, enables a customized treatment plan, and it can help you uh, turn back the clock. They have a great, highly trained and tenured staff. Find out what they can do for you. Call 385-360-WAVE. That's 385-360-WAVE. You can also jump online and check out their website, premierwave.com. Really easy to do, premierwave.com. That's our friend Dr. Johnson with Premier Wave Therapy. He More was, next. He was on his way to the, to yeah, view got, the salty blues exactly. and the red hues or whatever. And ran out of cell phone service. I hope he finds it. If he finds, mm-hmm. us, uh, finds it, he has to share it with us, though. Yeah, I get a percentage. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> a finder's fee. <laughs> All right, that number again, uh, 385-360-WAVE, or visit premierwave.com. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.